Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you love wrestling podcasts but hate all the ads? Well, you can get all the great podcasts early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. It only starts at nine bucks a month, but you get exclusive series at adfreeshows.com like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and tons more, and a chance to interact with your favorite podcast hosts every month. See for yourself why thousands of other wrestling fans say adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Adfreeshows.com. You know, I get the question all the time, Conrad, I know you help people save money and you help people refinance, but could you actually help me buy a house? Yeah, buddy. Come on now. Buywithconrad.com is your hookup. And let me give you a heads up. You don't need a huge down payment to buy a house in 2022. In fact, you may not need a down payment at all. There are still loan programs out there that can get you out of your apartment and into a brand new house with no money down. And I know it sounds too good to be true, but buddy, we're doing it pretty routinely. And you don't have to be a veteran, but yeah, we can still help our veterans get into a house with no money down. But more importantly, we're going to help you get on the path to buy a house this year. You see, a lot of times we have these conversations and folks say, well, I've got a little bit of time left on my lease, or I'm not sure exactly when I'll be ready, or how much of a down payment do I need to save up? My advice, don't get ahead of yourself. Let's start the pre-approval process. Let's know what your new house payment could look like. You'll tell us how much down payment you want to have. Maybe the answer is zero. That's cool. And then you'll tell us what you want your monthly payment to be. And then you go shopping for your dream home. But step one starts at buywithconrad.com. And hey, did you know that when you go to file your taxes as a homeowner, you're going to get a statement back from your mortgage company that's going to say, hey, you can write off this amount of interest this year. How much of your rent are you writing off this year? None of it. Oh, and by the way, what's your interest rate on your rent? Well, that would be 100%, pal. You know you can do better than 100% interest. That's what rent is. Stop throwing your money away. And by the way, we can even help you get rid of your current house and get into a better house if you already have a house but you think, you know what, it's time for a new place. We can help you at buywithconrad.com. That's buywithconrad.com, B-U-Y with Conrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And be sure to ask about our green light underwrite. We can actually get your file completely underwritten, and that allows you to negotiate like a cash buyer. 
at buywithconrad.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shut him. You, Bruce. I love They're on your Google machine. God damn, kid. God damn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more. Ooh, yeah. What say you? Pronouns, pal. And now, something to wrestle with. Con Bruce Pritchard. He the second most recognizable athlete in the entire world today. Oh. Conrad Olsen. What happened when? Huh. What would Vince say about that? Sure, a good night. Yeah. So big. Yeah. Let's go. Bullshit. Welcome to WrestleMania. Girl title now. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Hello, can I speak to Bruce, please? Uh, hold on, let's see if I'm finding him. Tell him I'm not here. He said he's not here. Well, I'm gonna uh I'm gonna have to just do a show without him, which is what I would call less than ideal. So I'd like for him to at least reconsider. He said something about a show. Tell him I haven't done one in weeks. Uh, he said he hadn't done one in weeks. Yeah. That that's kind of why we need to do one when we can. So I think I've got the technology now where we could just piece together his voice from old episodes and put together a new one and you know, might not be all that bad. He said he could do it without you. Well, fuck that man. No, he can't do it without me. Hey Connie. I didn't know you were on. Bruce Pritchard, welcome to the program. It's been a long time since I got to see and hear your beautiful voice here on the program. Uh, I I myself have just been listening to to reruns here. Welcome to my world. How's your Easter? Man, it was a great Easter. Uh, It was my first one uh, without mom and dad and my sister. We uh, did the rest of the family, though, and even had the old Silvas over and threw some steaks on the grill and... Megan whipped up some sides and turns out Dave Silva's wife knows how to make dessert. She's been holding out on me and you this whole time. Bitch. Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say all that. How was your Easter? It was good. So you're going to give me, it was good. That's it. All right. Wait, recording. Oh yeah. We're recording. Oh, we better not be. Well, we are. Well, stop it. Well, that's what you wanted me to do. You said, Hey, let's record a show. Oh, well, fuck you. Stop. Okay. Stop it down. I got to tell you a good story. Okay. 
Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle With. I just did that part. Bruce Pritchard, you told me to stop recording when you told me the Vince story. I know, so I but did. then I said, hey, let's start now. Well, I went to click and the then button. And I said, hey, hey, I'm Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to, and then you cut me off. I didn't cut you off. You I, cut me off a lot. I was just trying to start the show. I mean, I started before and you said, no, don't record this. I got a story. But you to didn't tell. say, Hey, Hey, I'm Conrad. And all that <sighs> shit. So I didn't know we were, we were just talking. How are you doing, Bruce? Okay. How are you doing? Conrad? I'm great, man. I know, uh, everybody's excited to actually hear from me. I, I don't think we've done one in a long time and I'm excited that you're able to do one today. So awesome. I'm excited. I'm able to do one too. You want to do one? You ready? Let's this is it. ask me questions and shit. <laughs> yes. This welcome this to ask one. me questions and shit with Bruce Pritchard. Uh, this we need to rename it. We need to, we, we need to re- rename this to like, ask me questions and shit. That's a done deal with Bruce Pritchard. I'm going to go ahead and actually put that on the schedule. So the guys know when they post it Yeah, to call it, ask me questions and shit or ask Bruce questions and shit. Cause see, I'm Bruce. And I'm the guy that you're asking the questions to. No, I like ask me questions and shit. It's way better than ask Bruce questions. All right, let's jump. No, you're going to steal it for other people. And it's a Bruceism. Ryan Horton wants to know this past weekend, a picture of Vince walking around the access store came out and you were shown flanking him. What size revolver do you carry to keep us neck beards from swarming Vince in public? First of all, I don't talk about things that, that take place. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the answer and, is a big one. Ah, uh, you've seen it. Oh, I mean, I heard once you brought it to work years ago. All right, let's move Easy on. Easy now, Tiger. Brad stands. <laughs> Brad wants to know, you often say some superstars didn't need the belt and some do need it, but are there times where you need a superstar to help elevate the belt? Well, first of all, a uh, belt holds up your pants. Oh, geez. You've been we back too long now. You've been back we way too long now. Oh, no. Okay. Belts hold up your pants. You ha- Even you have a belt, Conrad. I have several championships behind me, but yes, I do own yeah. a belt. Yeah, I've got I've got a few belts myself. I'm a four-time black belt. Oh, I knew that was coming. Hall of Famer. You got any brown belts? Where are your brown shoes? I did. Good. You know, it depends a, a lot of times. I think that there are, you know, different situations for um, every situation is different. Sometimes the superstar may make the championship. Sometimes the championship makes a superstar. So it really depends. Can you give me an example on, of someone who elevated a belt? Well, I can give you where superstars have elevated championships. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm I at. think that, you know, when, when John Cena became us champion and did, you know, his us championship challenge deal weekly, I think that that elevated that championship quite a bit. Um, I know you don't talk and, about current stuff, but Roman Reigns has done it to me because he's had such a long run. It feels like it matters more now. Like what's I think a, time- a lot of people would have argued the other way in the beginning. I don't know. I, I think, you know, Roman had been champion many, many times. And, um, I mean, this I run, that, this particular run, he's, and I know we're not talking about current stuff, but I'm just saying when a guy's a champ for a long, 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 long time, it's a really big deal when he finally loses it. It, it is. And, and I think that that's, that's important. It, it's, and again, this is not a, 
so don't don't take it the wrong way. I've said I've said it to Rick. I never really understood the the appeal of I'm I'm a ten time or right right. And I used and I used to say this to about Fez. You know, Fez was a six time NWA heavyweight champion, the, the only guy that had held the championship six times. And I always would ask questions. Yeah, but he he lost it six times. That's right. So there's look man, anybody that wins it one time is that's a monumental feat in and of itself to win it multiple times is a, a bigger feat. So I get that too. I just, the, the heel in me automatically goes to, okay, yeah, you're six time NWA world heavyweight champion, but that means you lost it six times too. Right. But I, it, it just, um, it really, it really depends. Um, for example, I'll use John Cena again as an example at WrestleMania 21, I think the championship helped solidify John Cena as a megastar at that point. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This year, it's time to get off the couch and get back into the bedroom. Blue Shoe can help. Guys, we know that confidence can take you far in life. And when you feel confident, you're at your best, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take these dudes anytime, day or night. So you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And guys, I've heard the lady say there's nothing sexier than confidence. Well, BlueChew can help give you that confidence you need where it counts. And if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. The promo code is WRESTLE to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. I don't know that I would have picked John Cena, but I mean, listen, given the career he had, you can't argue that, you know, he became a tippy top guy. Uh, Weston wants to know what are your top five WWE debuts or re-debuts of all time based on the shock factor and pop, uh, Jericho Kane, and even the more recent Cody Rhodes are a few that come to mind for me. I mean, Kane's gotta be your number one, right? 
I mean, Jericho was a big one, but Kane, you were just in love with that story. So that's pretty I was big. in love with that story. I think that Kane was one of the greatest debuts of all time. Um, when you look back, I think that the very first appearance of the big show. Yes, that was a big uh, one. St. Valentine's Day Massacre. That that was a, a huge debut and, and made a lot of big impact. Um, I wasn't there. But you and I uh, were in Orlando when the Hardys came back at WrestleMania. That was that a was big a, one. You know, big, holy shit moment. And you kind of go back and look at different the, times. Undertaker, the Undertaker. And the American Badass. Sting. We weren't, I mean, you weren't there for that one, but Sting no. was a big one. AJ was a big one. Yeah, but but okay, I'm just go through the time when I was there. I think American Badass was a, was a mega, mega hit and a big, holy shit moment. Triple H coming back out, out off of his hamstrings was one of those holy shit blow the uh, roof off the place. Steve coming back when you know Steve after he had been off and we weren't sure whether or not he was going to be okay with his neck way back when um, coming back was one of those just goosebump holy shit moments. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, I, I realize that I'm I'm a bit of a homer. But the Eric Bischoff concept, the concept of him being on TV, being on Monday night raw, that was at the time I remember being like, what the hell is going I mean, that's a big deal. That was, that was a huge deal because, you know, Eric had historically been on WCW and was that evil, you know, mastermind that, uh, 83 weeks dominated the ratings. And for Eric to be on, that was a, a holy shit moment. Fernando Diaz wants to know, we know how Michael Hayes likes to remind Bruce about how many times he sold out the Superdome. Is there anything that Bruce has done that Michael Hayes hasn't? And don't say your karate black belt hall of fame. Hey, you well, sold out a four time black belt hall of famer sold out the garden. I did sell out the garden. I don't, um, I shit. I don't know. Uh, why didn't the, they do? Why didn't they go with that? You know, we talked once upon a time on the Mr. Perfect episode that you guys tried perfect and Hogan at the garden and it was the rare occurrence where, you know, Hogan on top didn't sell out Madison square garden. So therefore he didn't maybe get an opportunity to have a big time run with Hulk or, or, or headline WrestleMania. But in hindsight, you did man, brother love versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. Come on. Hey, exactly, man. That's the big question that I think everybody's asking themselves right now is how in the hell could we have missed that one? You got to ask that to Vince tomorrow. Like for WrestleMania six, tell me the truth, Vince. Wasn't I the backup plan for warrior? Well, you know what? As far as I'm concerned, you know, my, I should have been, I'm, hey, you know what? I'll just make it up. Hey, hey, Conrad, I was the backup pant, backup, backup plan. Was the backup plan for, uh, WrestleMania five, six and seven, actually. Let me just go ahead and tell you moving forward. We are always going to refer to it. Just like we say a fresh paint of coat. I can't even say it normal anymore. The black up pan. It's a black up pan, man. Okay. We gotta have well, a black up pan. black up pan by God. I love it. Uh, Steven Morris wants to know, can I you was a black up pan for uh Russell for SummerSlam too and rumble. Can you yeah. think of any backstage rumors that were presented to Vince that cracked him up when he heard? Actually, most of them, because oftentimes when you read the dirt sheets and you read the wrestling internet media, if you will, nine times out of ten, it's completely made up anyway. So 
most of it is becomes well not humorous and it, it's it's to the point of you know when you read it you just go oh god it becomes irritating after a while when it you know the first 10 years it's it's funny and humorous and then after a while it's just holy cow man this guy's duped all these people for this many years it's uh ludicrous after a while chat me up about um the, the, current, the, the wrestling media. I mean, I know how you feel about Dave and Wade because we talk about the nostalgia so much, but you don't feel that way towards like Mike Johnson or Sean Ross Sapp, do you? Don't know. Okay. And uh, I don't know Wade. You know what? Hey, I mean, Wade was at least uh, classy enough and man enough to come up and say hello to me, introduce himself at, at Sarcast. The other guy turned tail and ran. Well, probably because you've been clowning on him here on the show for years at that I point. Tell the truth. So uh, I guess what we're looking for here is one of those old, you know, crazy wrestling stories that Vince may be heard of. And <laughs> Steven even suggests, and boy, he's reaching here. <laughs> Do you know what Vince's reaction was to hearing about, uh, the genius's party trick? But that's not something that would be in the dirt sheets. No, but I, it didn't say anything about dirt sheets. It says backstage rumors. I, I think that in our business that we live within a world that is in and of itself, highly entertaining and highly unique and over the top things that take place don't always they're not shocking they're not it's another day in the office so all too often most of that type of rumor and innuendo was met with apathy kind of like oh really okay hmm. good for him that, that's just the way it is it's there's not a whole lot that's like oh my god there's not a whole lot of, oh my God, left in our lives anymore, <laughs> man. It's kind of like, oh, really? Okay, cool. So let's chat about, um, Kristoff. He says back in 2006, when you guys decided to go with the angle of Shane and Vince versus Sean and God at backlash, was there any apprehension on your part in bringing the often divisive and controversial topic of religion into a WWE storyline? And I got to say, Kristoff, before Bruce answers, considering that he was the brother love character, I'm going to step out on a limb and say Bruce was fine with it. I was fine with it. And I, I think that, you know, there are, there are some lines that you, you maybe shouldn't cross. And I think that it's all subjective to a point. I looked at, first of all, brother love didn't do religion. I know that people, you know, viewed it that way. I was doing a spoof on televangelists. I was doing a spoof on the people that I felt were the biggest frauds on television. I, that's how, what, that was my personal feeling. That's how I felt. And I came from a place in the South where every Sunday that was your television programming. You didn't have a choice. You didn't have 500, uh, cable channels to choose from. You didn't have the internet to go on YouTube and just watch something else. You had Oral Roberts, you had Jimmy Swagger, you had Jim Baker. Um, 
on down the line, uh, Joel Olstein's dad in Houston, um, and then Don Mahoney and Gina Claire, by God. But that's what you had. That's what I grew up on. And I used to, I was that kid that would sneak in to the tent revivals at the Baptist church down the street from my house just to watch them because I was, I was mesmerized by the tambourines and the, the music and just the energy that these evangelists would be able to evoke the emotion to get people that didn't have a pot to piss in to find whatever last penny they had and give it to them. Found that fascinating. But then you would also see, because, you know, you'd kind of hang out and you could hear, you know, through the tent and different things and be a kid, you would hide and listen and, and, and see the, the real, um, the business behind that, if you will. And it wasn't as all true and altruistic as it was made to be in front of the audience. So I was, I was doing a parody on that. Right. And I didn't look at it as a parody on religion. I didn't look at it as being sacrilegious. I know a lot of people did, and that's their viewpoint. And I will argue that till the day I die. Uh, the God angle was extremely uh, divisive. I think it was polarizing in many ways. Um, but at the same time, I looked at it like we are entertainment yeah, you were trying to do it comically. I mean, we, we were doing it in the highest of eyebrows up that you could possibly do and let people know that, hey, folks, we're winking at you here. Of course. Big time. You know, we, we did we did spoofs of every uh, movie that you could think of from wanting to do the Al Pacino. Right. Uh, sticking his finger in the holy water and having a bubble and things like that. So. Uh, we were looking to spoof that and anybody that took it seriously, I, I think that there are folks that will view that and look at it with uh, jaded eyes and you're going to have that no matter what you do. Uh, here's from Mitchell Barnett. He wants to know, Bruce, who's on My your mind. Oh, wait. Oh, Mitchell. Who's on your Mount Rushmore of wrestling promoters. Um, Wow. I mean, I think Vince, obviously, I think Vince is number one. Duh. Uh, um, you got to put Bosch on there. He's your boy. I do have to put Bosch on there because Paul was a true promoter and you have to view it through the eyes of who was a promoter, who was a marketer, who was a booker. Paul was a promoter's promoter. Uh, Vince McMahon senior was a promoter. I think that Jim Barnett, even though, you know, people would say, oh, Jim just kind of, Jim was a promoter. And as years went on, Jim Crockett was a guy that owned a business. Jim didn't promote. Dusty Rhodes was a promoter. And even though Dusty didn't have that moniker, if you will, that's what Dusty did. Dusty was a promoter. So that'd probably be, be it. The, the two Vince's, uh, Paul and a dusty. Well, there you go. Uh, Tony flowers wants to know if you could go back to 24 year old Bruce, just entering the world oh, wrestling boy. federation. What one piece of advice would you give him that you think he was missing? Wow. Well, you know, I'm not real good on following advice. 
Um, I don't know. You know, I went in so damn wide-eyed and um, young, but I think that probably if more education would probably would have helped just in general, more education probably would have helped. And I think that, um, if I had, if, if I knew then what I know now, holy cow, probably would have approached it a lot differently. But the best piece of advice that I ever got and I wish I had then was view people and how view and judge people in how you see them and how they treat you not what you hear or what you read or what you feel based on a persona that is out in the public based on uh how you see people on television or what you hear about them from backstage whispers and things like that judge people on how they treat you and don't make a judgment until you actually have the opportunity to meet them and judge for yourself. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. So as you're listening to this tomorrow, I'm headed out of town with my family. I'm ready for a break. I'm ready for some rest and relaxation, but oh yeah, I got to pack one extra bag this time and I'm fired up, buddy. This has been an absolute game changer in my life. I actually travel with a chilly sleep now. And I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. What is that real? Yes. I've got one on my bed right now. Uh, it's cold on my side, a little warmer on Megan's side because she can control her temperature on her side too. Now me, I have to travel with it. I don't want to go down there and be in like a dream vacation and I'm on the beach and it's awesome, but I'm tossing and turning and not comfortable. No, no. I want to get the best sleep of my life. And to do that, I need chilly sleep. You see, science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering your core body temperature. And I got to be honest, I've known that for years. I would crank down the AC to make sure that it was cold in my house when I went to bed. Eric Bischoff visited a few years ago and said it was so cold you could hang meat in here at night. But I knew I slept better when it was cold. Well, it turns out I was right. Temperature-controlled sleep repairs your muscles after a hard day's work, and it improves your cognitive function so you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. And hey, man, let's just be straight. I'm not a bodybuilder. You know what I'm trying to do? trying to be productive during the day. I want to be at my best during the day. I want to go win the day. And if you're a salesperson or maybe you're not, but you just know that your performance matters during the day, buddy, chili sleep is for you. Chili sleep makes customizable climate controlled sleep solutions. They can help you improve your entire well-being, And I really mean that I feel better than ever right now. And I give 100% of the credit to that, to chili sleep. You see, Chili Sleep makes the Uller, that's what I have, and the Cube Sleep System. Either way, we're talking hydro power, temperature controlled mattress toppers. These dudes fit over your existing mattress, and that gives you your ideal sleep temperature. Like I said earlier, I like mine a little cooler than my wife, so she doesn't have to freeze to death 
I don't have to crank down the AC. See, that's what I was doing before. Now, when I crank down the AC, man, my closets are cold. My kitchen's cold. My laundry room's cold. My dining room's cold. I don't need any of that. I need my bed to be cold. And now it is, but Megan, she wants it a little warmer on her side. I get that. So she adjusts her side. How about that? These luxury mattress pads, keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. But check this out. You get an app on your phone that you download, you sync it up to your unit and it works like a remote control. I'm not kidding. I can actually raise or lower the temperature on demand whenever I want. I can even automate it to where it starts getting cool at a certain type at night, certain time at night. And then it warms me up to wake me up. You can set a schedule like that. You can just set it and forget it. Here's my question for you. Can you imagine waking up and not feeling tired? Chili sleep can make that happen. And by the way, they also make the chili blanket. It's the only weighted blanket that can be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat free sleep. Guys, I believe in this so well that I bought another one and I'm carrying it with me on vacation. I, it's almost like a, a credit card back in the day. I won't leave home without it. Well, I won't travel without it. Seriously. We went to the woods for the Super Bowl. I took chili sleep. Now we're headed for spring break. I'm taking chili sleep. If I'm sleeping there, I'm using chili sleep. I just feel better. I feel more productive and I've tried it without it, man. I don't want to go back. I was miserable the next day. I felt like I had like that late two afternoon uh, after lunch crash. I never feel that way when I have chili sleep and you know what else I'm dreaming like vivid, colorful dreams. And buddy, if it sounds like I'm selling this hard, you should try being my friends. I've got my parents. This Casio kids using it. Our gimmick attorneys using it. Scott, our hotel guys using it. Everyone I know hears me talk ad nauseum about chili sleep because I believe in it and I believe that you'll love it. So head on over to chilisleep.com forward slash Russell to learn more and save 30% off the purchase of any new cube or Uller sleep system. Now this is available exclusively for something to wrestle with listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili C H I L I sleep.com slash wrestle to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. Now, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know, that chili sleep's been a long time advertiser, but I want to mention this is important. This is the best offer they've ever had 30% off right now. Just go look at it. It costs nothing to look, but I had everybody in my life. Take a look and 100% of them absolutely love it. You will too. Chilisleep.com forward slash wrestle. I'm more productive. I feel better. And it's all thanks to chili sleep. Go hook it up right now. Chilisleep.com forward slash wrestle. Good advice. Kind sir. My- well, I think that's advice for, for every day, for everybody. And in, in no matter what line of work or just in general, um, in your life, don't, don't judge people and what you read or what you think, because you're, you're seeing them from afar, judge them in how they treat you judge them based on what you specifically, uh, witness in your interactions with them. Here's one from Michael McClanahan. Will Bruce, please tell the story of when WWE went public and the logistics of getting a ring on wall street. Wow. So we went, we actually went public with NASDAQ. The ring on wall street is when we moved from NASDAQ to the New York stock exchange. And Vince came in 
to my office on a Thursday. And I believe that it was going to be a Tuesday or a Wednesday that we were going to go and be on the New York Stock Exchange, ring the bell on the stock exchange. And Vince wanted to put a ring in the middle of Wall Street, shut Wall Street down and put a ring there and have matches at noon. Huge spectacle. We were going to go live on the WWF network. Um, not network, uh, .com. So WWF.com at the time. We were going to go live. It's before streaming and all that good stuff. So it's like, okay, cool. And I, I thought he was just kind of like telling me this to, so that I knew that, okay, we need to put together a show. We need to come up with something. But what he was telling me was, <laughs> hey, I want to do this. Get it done. And as he's trailing off, he goes, and uh, I want a bear. I want, I want, the, I want the rock to wrestle a bear. The, the Brahma bull versus the bear. An honest-to-God living wrestling bear, which used to be an attraction back in the day. So, scratching my head, I'm going, okay. Um, So I called someone in our office that dealt with that type of logistics and how do you get a street shut down in New York and so on and so forth. And the answer I got was that Wall Street had never been shut down like that in the history of Wall Street. You can't shut Wall Street down. Doesn't happen. So, well, Vince wants to put a ring up. Vince wants to have this event when we go public or when we go to the stock exchange. Like, uh, Bruce, I don't know that can be done. Well, it's not about if it can be done. It's what do we have to do to get it done? And we got it done. Um, Pulled a lot of strings were able to get the stars lined up. Clinton was the president at the time, and Clinton was actually speaking at a hotel three blocks from the stock exchange. Oh, my gosh. So there were already roadblocks in place and a great deal of security already. So while you would think that would be a hindrance, I think that kind of helped us in that they – we're probably going to block off that area anyway. And so we got the other end of it blocked off because it only made sense. And, you know, a lot of things fell into place. Very, very fortunate. But it was by the hair of our chinny chin chin. And it was there. No was not an acceptable answer. The bear, thank God, um, was reconsidered on, on several fronts because First of all, you had the animal rights activists that would probably not look kindly on a wrestling bear, even though the human rights <laughs> activists are the ones that probably should have been alarmed at that, having a bear manhandle a man. Because <laughs> trust me, the bear always goes over. <laughs> um, the other part of that is that there weren't a plethora of bears, of working bears anymore in the United States of America, believe it or not. Mm. However, there was the bear man who lived outside of Toronto. And we were able to get in touch with the bear man, and and he wasn't sure whether or not he could get his bear across the border. And I said, well, we can work on paperwork, whatever it is you need. But uh, he goes, oh, yeah, no. He goes, we still have the... 
the bear shows up here where we do, he goes, I wrestle him every night. He's a hell of a worker. (laughs) So, um, I said, can you go ahead and let's have you en route now to be here. So we know you're in the States and we know that you're within the area. Um, I think there are still some other things to take in consideration, but I'd rather have you because I've looked everywhere. Bears are us. They were out. Like, you know, where do you want to do it? Ah, I can get one in Toronto for you, eh? But yeah, bears and RS were clean out of bears. Man, and don't you hate that? I do. You would think any place when you look up bears are us, you would assume they got bears, right? Right. Just they got it. Rolodex, man. They go, okay, well you need that bear. We need a New York bear. Okay. Just kind of like you had your Southern bears. Nick Adams ran the Southern bears down there out of Texas at Amarillo. He ran, he had bear, he had Victor. And then you had, uh, there was another guy. There was another guy out on the West coast. And then there was a guy up in Calgary who had a bear. And then there was a, the bear guy in Toronto. I think there was a bear guy in Atlanta or outside over there on the East coast too. Quite a few bear guys. You got to know your bear guys. You got to know your bear guys and your little people guys. So anyway, is, is we're getting closer to this. The, the idea becomes, it's like, well, do you really want a bear hanging around on the New York stock exchange? The day that your stock goes public. Well, the bear was out today when WWE went on the New York Stock Exchange. No, you don't want that. You want the Brahma bull. You know, it's a bullish market, not a bear market, for God's sakes. So we had a Brahma bull, and uh, we didn't have any bear hanging around there. So it was it was interesting. But we, we were able to get it done, uh, jump through hoops, and and got it done. Patrick Ruth wants to know Bruce Mick Foley once told me Vince let Foley and triple H plan out their hell in a cell match. Was there ever a worry about things going too far again, or was it simply let Mick do whatever he wants to do in his quote unquote last match? That more than anything, it was let Mick do what Mick would like to do within reason. So if it made sense and it wasn't too over the top, then I think he was amicable to just, just about anything they wanted to do as long as it was safe and wasn't too crazy. Mike wants to know, Hey Bruce, when timing out shows, do you have a list of segments that could be cut in case other segments go long or do you just deal with it as it comes? No, it's uh, a great deal of planning that oftentimes goes awry when things go heavy. But later, you know, it it used to crack me up. The answer to your question is, is yes, you always have to have collapsible segments. You always have to have something that can be condensed to help you get to where you want to be at the top of the hour or the 30 minute mark, whatever, wherever you want to be at what time of day that you want to be there. Um, So, yes, you have collapsible segments that you can place in that could either go seven minutes or they could go three minutes. You just have to have to build that in as time went on and WCW started with their overruns because the owner of their company owned the network too. Uh, they could, 
go five minutes after us and people changing the channels off of us, man, they're going to go over there. Well, hell they're still on. I'm going to go check this out. And that would help them in, in the ratings. Cause it's another quarter hour to tack onto the show. When we started getting the overruns from USA, it, after a while it became, well, I don't, I don't need to fudge that much. Cause I know I had that overrun. I had pad on the backside. So while I needed to be at a certain place at that 10 o'clock hour, um, the rest of it pretty much that last segment could go 20 minutes if we needed it to, we didn't have to hit a time per se. And that was a luxury, but after WCW went away and especially when they uh, first went to three hours and I, I wasn't there at the time and I would watch go, you don't need this overrun. You don't need to go over at this point. It's three hours is enough. And even at two hours, you, when you did it every week, it didn't become special. And after a while, it just became the show ends when the show ends. Which is a nice, it's a, hey, look, man, from a production standpoint, nice luxury to have. The follow-up question from Mike, who was the most notorious about having their segments and matches go too long and it made your head spin? Um, uh, rock was rock, rock could talk and rock would go on forever and ever and ever. Rock's Uh, promos were too long and Sean's matches. Sean's Sean never. Oh my God. Sean, I could set my watch by. Really? Oh yeah. Shawn Michaels was absolutely the, I would put him down as probably the absolute best. Why would Jeff, why was Jeff Jarrett's match cut at WrestleMania 10? Oh, well that was at a, that was at a pay-per-view. That wasn't a television. Yeah. That's what we're talking about though. He, well, he, that, that was a comp dude. That was a combination of the Quebecers and those guys going way heavy. Sean razor going heavy. That was a combination of a lot of things that night. So whose matches went too long? We know rock talked too long. Was there a guy who went too long match wise? Um, match. Usually it was the promos that always put us in a precarious position. There was a, a story going around a few years ago. There was a big independent pay-per-view and uh, a bunch of pals put it on. And one of the guys went way long and supposedly they sent every sort of signal they could through the referee, through the ringside announcer. Apparently even a producer came halfway down the ramp and yelled, go home now. And of course he just kept going because he had in his head exactly what he wanted to do. And as a result, the main event had just a handful of minutes. Do you remember there being a a situation like that, whether it was TV or a pay-per-view where, man, this guy's just not listening. He's just going to do what he wants. We just got to grin and bear it. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, then you also have the control of just Cutting the match off, ringing the bell. And, well, well, this one's a time limit draw, folks. Sorry about that. Um, stranger things have happened. It, there is actually on Championship Wrestling, uh, the syndicated television show from many, many years ago, Gorilla Monsoon, who the Gorilla position is named after. Gorilla would time out the show, and Gorilla would sit behind the curtain, and Gorilla would time the matches and time the cues and everything. And if you went too long and this actually aired a few times, gorilla would come down to the ring, stopwatch around his neck and slap the mat 
go home. To get guys' attention, tell them to go home. And they just heard, oh, can <laughs> you imagine? You're a fan, you're watching this, and there's Gorilla Monsoon in street clothes with a stopwatch around his neck, slapping the mat, yelling at the two guys in the ring. What kind of angle is this? Good shit. I never did that. I, I, I've done pretty damn close to that sometimes where I've asked and requested for folks to uh, get out of the ring. But I most of the time, the, the biggest issues are usually on promos and every once in a while a match. So by now, you know, the Fed has raised interest rates and they're telling us they're going to raise rates six more times this year. What does that mean for you? It means waiting will only cost you money. If you've been thinking about building, if you've been thinking about buying, if you've been thinking about refinancing, the time to act is now. Waiting will cost you money. I urge you. I encourage you. Just let us run the numbers for you. If you want to buy a house, go to buywithconrad.com. If you want a lower monthly payment, go to savewithconrad.com. And I know what you're thinking. Man, can I really save money if rates are going up? Absolutely. Because if you've got credit card debt, if you've got a second mortgage, if you need to make improvements to your home, there's not a better, easier, faster, more economical, cheaper way to borrow this money than to use your current equity in your house. Here's what we're talking about. All of a sudden, our houses are worth more than ever in the last couple of years because the real estate market is hot, 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 daddy. Now, what you do with this debt, once you owe that debt, is up to you. So if you don't do what I'm encouraging you to do and go to savewithconrad.com, man, just keep making the minimum payments. Now they're going to jack up your interest rates on your credit cards too. Just so you know, we're not just talking about home loan rates, but all the money is about to get more expensive. Now you're right now sitting at an interest rate on your credit cards. That's way too high. I don't know how high, but you may not either. Is it 19%? Is it 29%? Here's what I know. It's going up. And if you feel stuck, if you feel like you're making the minimum payments, if you don't feel like you have a real plan to get out of debt, Now's the time to make that plan, baby. Savewithconrad.com. We can help you knock out all that debt, even let you skip your next two house payments, and more importantly, pay your house off faster. When we're really talking about saving on a refinance, the term is the killer. If the bank can trick you into giving them 29% of your gross monthly income every month until you die, it's mission accomplished for them. Don't take my word for it. Throw it in your Google machine. Mortgage is Latin for pledge until death. They put you in this thing to keep you beholden to them every month until you die. That's not the American dream. The dream is to get out of debt. I want to help you get out of debt today. Make a stand today. Tell the banks to stick it, brother. We're going to show them how to get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. If you got car loans, check. I can handle that. You got credit card debt? Check. I can handle that. Oh, and here's a pop quiz for you. Have you always wanted to do one thing to your house? Whether we're talking about upgrading your kitchen, upgrading your bathroom, putting in a pool, putting in a man cave, let's make someday today. All that's going to do is make your house worth even more. You're going to create even more equity. But at the same time, you're going to get those repairs or improvements done with no money out of pocket. You hear me? Why would you not do this? Get the dream house with the dream payment right now at SaveWithConrad.com. And if you're still throwing your money away on rent, I urge you, I encourage you, this is the year to take action. There is no stopping this real estate boom right now. I cannot believe what's happening, and I want you to be a part of it. Had you done it two years ago, you'd already be rolling in the dough, baby. 
What's that old proverb? The best time to plant a tree was 100 years ago. The second best time is now. Something like that. The second best time to buy a house is now. Find out how much money you can save when you stop throwing your money away on rent and you actually build some wealth for yourself at buywithconrad.com. And, buddy, we're licensed in almost all the states. Don't take my word for it. I know it sounds weird. Wait, the podcast guy about wrestling can help me save money? Go check out my reviews, conradreviews.com. You'll see more than a 1,000 reviews. Our average is like 4.71 or 4.72. You know what that means? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. We're going to save you some cash. You're going to love it. Run the numbers with me. No cost, no obligation. Buy with Conrad if you want to buy. Save with Conrad if you want to save. Either way, I can hook you up. Savewithconrad.com, NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And oh, by the way, don't be nervous about talking about your credit report. I don't care that you had a late here or there. I don't care that you had a bankruptcy back in the day. I'm not going to tell you no. Now, I might say not yet, but here's how. You need a plan to get out of debt. You need a plan to buy a house, and I can help you with that plan at SaveWithConrad.com or BuyWithConrad.com. Hey, man, maybe you don't want to do that. Give us a call, 888-425-0105, or just drop me a line. Yes, email me, Conrad at SaveWithConrad.com. Talk to me a little bit about Kevin Eck. Uh, Lauren Eason wants to know, any stories or memorable moments with former WWE writer Kevin Eck? Am I saying that right? E-C-K, Eck? I have no idea who he is. Uh, he must've been there when I was gone. I don't know who he is. Adam Arpin wants to know, do you feel it's a missed opportunity to not have had all American Lex Luger face the Tonka at survivor series (laughs) in (laughs) some sort of Thanksgiving gimmick match? My goodness. Well, well, here's the thing. That was the backup. (laughs) (laughs) That was the blackup fan. That was the blackup. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> to talk versus the black ops man. Okay. Oh God. So, um. Yeah. What the hell? That's such a great question. <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah, I don't think that that was all. I don't think that was a consideration that was at the top of the list. I'm just <laughs> it was probably in the black ops man. Uh, Richard Smith wants to know who. Why do we do these? How does the Conradison compare to the McMansion? These are my favorite questions. Go ahead. How does the Conradison compare to the McMansion? Oh my God. There is no comparison. If you have ever stayed in the presidential suite of the Ritz Carlton, then you are slumming it compared to stepping into the doorway of the Conradison. Why will you stop? Because there it's, geez, I, I, (laughs) there's nothing you could compare it to. I thought that. Seriously, the, the Ritz Carlton in um, Riyadh is one of the most beautiful pieces of property I've ever been in, with the exception of the Conradison. I I told them I said, "Hey guys, you might want to go visit this place in Huntsville, Alabama, to get some ideas and how to spruce the place up a little bit." Let's just ask. They only they only have like God. I think they only have about twenty banks of elevators, and so I said, "Look." Here's how you can get more in, in your place and have it look real classy. I don't even know what to say. You can't even do tell the audience the truth. Okay. Now let's, let's, let me ask you this question. Okay. So this now, um, I'm asking you questions. Okay. Okay. So now now this is not asking me. Since are there, you're, you're now just one. 
No, there's another con. There's a Conradison in on the beach. No, it's being built. There's I don't a Conradison on the lake. It's being remodeled. I'm not there. Okay, but okay, exactly. You're you're building more. You're in the process. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hang, hang on, hang the on. The Ritz Carlton on the lake, and you're remodeling it into the Conradison. You got the place on the beach. True or false? You've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars remodeling your kitchen. My house. Yeah. Well, whatever. Okay. Okay. We're talking Alabama real estate prices versus Connecticut. Our listeners are not stupid. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? Do an old search on, on the old Twiller, uh, and, and see what, uh, see what that Conradison's worth. We they don't right. have enough room to put all the zeros on there. You're just making things up. No, I'm not. I looked it up the other day. I'll look it up right now. Uh, I'll tell you right now. Enhancement talent, low quality music wants to know. It's a hell of a name. What's Bruce's favorite memory of Bruiser Brody? <laughs> well, I told this story to somebody the other day. Uh, my favorite story. So when Frank was leaving the, uh, it had to be Dallas. I don't know. It might've been San Antonio. doesn't really matter. I think it was Dallas. His last match in the territory was in Port Arthur, Texas for us. And I had been, uh, driving with Frank and for us being Paul Bosch's promotion. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd had a, we had a show in, in Port Arthur. And so I'm Brody's riding with me. We're going back to Houston and I drop him off at his hotel and he says, Goodbye, Bruce. I'll see you down the road. And I said, okay, man, see you next week. He goes, no, I'll see you down the road. And he left the territory the next day. He was gone. Well, that night in Port Arthur, Texas, Brody had won the prestigious United States Brass Nucks Championship of the World. So uh-huh. the, the United States Brass Nuts Brass Championship, Championship of, of the, the world. world. Okay. That's right. Got yeah. it. And the Golden Triangle. Got it. Because that was Port Arthur, Beaumont, and what the hell is this? Oh, Orange. That's Beaumont we call Blow Snot, Texas. But anyway, uh, so I say goodbye. I don't really think that much of it. Next week, oh, yeah. Find out that Frank left the territory. And... Um, I'm like, oh, damn, man. I gave him his last ride, you know, for the last match. And you don't think anything of it because Brody left territories all the time. You know, he's there one minute, gone the next. About, well, and they said, and he took the belt. I'm thinking, I don't ever remember Brody wearing a belt. Usually he wore elastic shorts and everything. I didn't see him wear a lot of pants that required a belt. <sighs> Turns out he had taken the championship, the American Brass Knuckles Championship of the World and the Golden Triangle. And I'm like, son of a bitch. He got the championship. Again, I don't think anything of it. About six, eight months later, man, I'm cleaning my car. I'm, you know, doing the old clean everything out. And you open up the trunk and throw everything out of the trunk. And then you're going to neatly put things back in and it's going to be in order. Yeah. And there's a brown paper bag all the way back, kind of like wedged up in the back of my trunk. And I pull it out kind of heavy. It is 
the United States Brass Knuckles Heavyweight Championship of, of the, the world. world and the Golden Triangle. Right. In that paper bag. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, shit. There's a mark in Alabama who will pay for this. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, self, if you bring this back now, self, they're going to think that, like, why didn't you bring it back? Way back when? Yeah. Eight, nine months ago, whatever it was. And I'm looking at it going, nobody knows I have it. They all think Brody left with it. Right. Of course. This was, and if you look it up, if you look up pictures of Fritz von Erich with the American Championship, uh, that's, that's, it's just a plain silver plate and it had uh United States kind of map on it. And it, it's, it's as plain as plain could be. We had spruced it up. We put a pair of brass knuckles on it to make it the United States brass knuckles, heavyweight championship of the world and the golden triangle. Uh, so we spruced it, made it nice like and all, but I wouldn't, so I kept it, but then I kept it so long that it's like, what am I going to do with it? Because there weren't a bunch of people in Alabama purchasing championship belts at the time. No, not back then. And I thought it was a pretty cool piece of memorabilia to have. And so I just kept it. So that's my favorite, uh, Bruce Brody story, but Brody used to, Brody was very, very cheap, very frugal as they say. And, um, and he really didn't care, man. His, all his money went back to his family. It wasn't, he wasn't a drinker. He didn't, uh, go out and party. He didn't, uh, you know, have girlfriends anywhere, man. It was all about his, his family and and his wife and son. And he saved every penny he had. So he would stay at the $9 motels to save, save a few bucks. You ever stay at a $9 hotel for how many hours? Oh, okay. Like it depends. Cause see, sometimes it's like nine out $9 for use three hours. by the hour. Sometimes want TV or towels with that. Then it costs extra. Yeah. I, uh, you, I, have, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Unfortunately, you didn't grow up in the seventies and early eighties. Oh no. I'm familiar with. No tail motels. I mean, I know what they are. The CD people like, like a nine dollar one. You show up and have illicit sex with a stranger, usually for money, and then leave in the middle of the night. And then they send no, some no, poor no, lady no. to come change the sheets. Girlfriend. No, these are where you went with your girlfriend because you were you were too young to go anywhere else. And the no wait a minute places. I thought what? you used to do that in the back of your car. Until I discovered that. Wait a minute. You can rent you mean a room. There's a place I can go <laughs> for nine dollars. And yeah, <laughs> I don't even know why that's I funny. I will never forget. I will never forget, man, when they raised it to eleven bucks. I was like, son of a bitch. But you still it's paid price it, gouging, man. But, but you still paid it because you know. Of course I did. It was urgent. <laughs> of course I can. One one day we will do a. Hey, Bruce. Bruce, could you tell us a story about going to that $11 motel there on old Galveston road? And yeah, I guess, oof, boy, you know, I mean, there's a chance that your son Kane listens to this show and he's going to ask about this at dinner. It doesn't night. exist anymore. I, I, please. 
Okay, just trying to get. Not hey, get he'll he'll go to his mother first and say, "Mom, did you listen to Dad's podcast?" And she'll say, "No, I never listened to that thing." And he'll say, "Wait till I tell you what he said this week." Oh, he's a tattletale. That's his move. Oh yeah, yeah. He's trying to fade the heat so he don't get in trouble. Exactly. What he's do you think? My son. What do you think he does instead of the eleven dollar thing? You're just never there. He just. Oh, I'm I'm well aware of what he does. You're going to tell us what, what he doesn't think I'm well aware of it, but I am well aware of it. Well, so I remember he goes to stooge me off to his mother. He better remember that. I, I rem- know his mom. I remember that back in the day when he was in high school, you counted the beers in the garage fridge. I remember. Uh, yeah, sure did. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes. This is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now, and just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance, if you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance. Super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price. You start the online application immediately and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Uh, Drew Landry wants to know, were you around for the WWF's, uh, experiment with Tom McGee? Do you remember conversations about him and his matches with Ted DiBiase and Bret Hart? What do you think went wrong? Uh, Tom McGee didn't have any personality. And yeah, the answer, yes, I was around and Tom really nice guy. But if there wasn't someone that was extremely talented in the ring across from Tom, Tom could do moves, but Tom had no psychology. And and I don't think that Tom really liked the business that much. I'm not asking this to be funny because I know you and I both think a lot of him personally now, but I'm not saying this to be funny or rude or disrespectful in any way. But you're saying he didn't have a big personality and he knew how to do moves and he looked great. What's the difference between him and Alex Luger? Not much. So I guess that's the question is why did Lex, was it just the system? Because, because Lex was able to be put in a position, to have enough talented performers around him on both sides. Heel and babyface. Uh, Lex was hidden in a group and Lex was hidden. Tom was going to be, you know, this mega star baby face. And, and man, look, you know, Lex, Lex had a hell of a career on potential. And that, that pretty much just sums it up. But I guess what I'm saying is you said the reason Lex was successful is because he surrounded, he was able to surround himself with really talented performers. A lot of them, 
you didn't think the WWF at the time had as many or with a look like that, Vince felt like, Hey, this is top guy or nothing. The idea at the time was that this would be a, a top guy. He looks like a top guy. We should make a star out of him right. without the support system, if you will, of having a bunch of guys around him 24 seven. And, and yes, we did have that. I don't think that Tom just showed too early on, too early on that he didn't have the tools capable to, to do what we needed him to do. If you had it to do over again, do you think you would have tried anything differently with Tom McGee? Yes. In school. I don't know that that would have, I don't know that that ever would have instilled the passion needed to truly be a success. Uh, I think that that comes with time and that comes with love of what you do. So I just am not sure that, uh, that we could have overcome that hurdle. And again, I'm not trying to be argumentative. I'm just trying to understand. I've always been under the impression that Bill Goldberg didn't exactly have a bunch of passion for the wrestling business. He wrestled for money, much like Lex Luger. And maybe once upon a time, people said that same thing about Brock Lesnar watching what he does these days. I don't know that I believe that, but still, I mean, Bill Goldberg drew money. I'm not arguing that, but, but I still think that you could take a guy who looks like Tom McGee. Cause I mean, let's talk about why Goldberg drew money. It wasn't his charismatic promos. It but was, he did have charisma. It wasn't as I'm not arguing any of that, but yeah, there, and what I'm saying is Tom McGee didn't. You don't think if you put Tom, if you showed Tom McGee a Bill Goldberg tape and said, go do that, he couldn't do it. No. Okay. The, charisma is innate. It's not something that you, that you learn. You either exude it or you don't. And Goldberg had an intensity and a charisma about him, an animal charisma about him that Tom just didn't. Tom was too nice of a guy. Fair enough. No, that's logic. I appreciate it. Carl Hayes wants to know, looking back, if not, is, that, the, is this Michael's brother? Well, Carl no, you Hayes. know, you know, Carl Hayes, you and I, uh, ate dinner with him once. And, uh, what's the place we like to eat at Kowloon. I'll be damned years ago. Tony Schiavone did a run in. I'm sure he did. He's a nice guy. I doubt I did. Well, I know you didn't. Let's just rule that one out. Alligator arms. (laughs) You want me to get that? Hang on. You want me to get? Well, uh, no. Are you sure? Are you sure you got Conrad? Don't let me. Oh well. uh, No man, he's got it. No, he's the big guy with the yeah with that black card, the big one that you know. We don't we don't get to talk a bunch. I wanted to catch you. We don't get to talk at all anymore. I know, dude. You're you're so busy these now, days. Now, anytime I talk to you, you just hit record. What? Well- <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh my god, Chris is on the line. Hit record. Somebody hit record. Uh, I went to. Um, I can't tell you why on the air. I'll tell you why off the air. But we were in Nashville and having a big dinner a while right. back, and. Uh, he tagged along and, and we went to the Palm. You know, if I'm in Nashville, I'm eating at the Palm and Silva ordered a wedge salad. And as you know, he's 51 years old. He told me after the fact that is in fact, his very first wedge salad. He had no idea what it was, what he was ordering or what to expect. But if 51 years old, Dave Silva just had his very first wedge salad. I, I'm more intrigued as to 
the fact that Dave Silva ordered a salad of any type, well, it, much it, less a wedge salad. He ordered it before the strip or the ribeye or whatever it was and the three cheese potatoes. So let's not think that was all he had. That was just getting him warmed up. But as I, I took a gander over there, I thought that's a little weird, but I could, I was at one end of the table. He was at the other. And so then he mentioned it on the way home and he said, man, that was my first wedge salad. And I'm like, what? How fucking old are you? What do you mean your first wedge salad? And he said, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of blue cheese crumbles at once, but I got through it. He ate it in order. He didn't cut the shit up and stir it up at all. <laughs> it is. And I it said, if you eat it from the top down. And, and I said, so did you eat it all? He's like, oh no, I, I didn't finish the bottom. He just ate the fucking candied walnuts and the fried onions and the blue cheese. <laughs> He probably thought that the wedge itself was just garnish. Yeah. That's like the shit they used to have at the pizza hut salad bar that for decoration kale, you know, big booty Judy eats that these days, but it just tickled me. Did he put, did he put hot sauce or picante sauce or anything on it? He did not. Dave green and I were both laughing at him saying we would never order a wedge because we didn't come here to work. So, you know, cut that shit up before you bring it out here. Yeah. Wow. That's brutal. Yeah, wedge salad. I, mean, I can relate. I can't. I can't relate. But see, speaking of the hot sauce thing, man, I just got this great hot sauce that I'm putting on everything now. Just no matter what, it's from a taco place up here. In, What's it called? <laughs> it's Truck T U T R U K, and it's. I think it's technically in New York, but it's right on the border up here where we live. And they make this homemade. Um, a couple of sauces are absolutely, but the green, the green sauce is to die for. You can put it on, you can put it on ice cream. It's I just, great. I just took, uh, the fam to the beach for North Carolina spring break. And so into, into one of the other Conradisons down on the beach, Conradison on the beach. We got Conradison in the city. We got Conradison on the beach. We got Conradison on the lake. So anyway, you're at Conradison in the beach. <laughs> and, and, and Dave, David Fleer's son, Carter loves putting Valentina's hot sauce and hard boiled eggs. He'll just eat all them shits. Just one after another. Nothing then, wrong with that. About an hour later is a lot wrong with it for everybody in the room with him. You say, well, you know what? That's on you. I didn't know it until then. I would, and then I learned I would make better. him go to another wing of the house. I made him go outside. Just get it well, over. That's a big place. In your backyard is the Gulf of Mexico. Well, I mean, it was a rental. Me it's a rental. Conrad. Yeah. The, the backyard of the rental was talk was about the, the one that you're building there. Well, yeah, they just have With like the, the multiple pi- elevators. There's one elevator, but they have pilings in, they haven't even framed it yet. Bruce. I, because you keep changing the plans and adding more and more wings. You stop looking back. This is from okay. Carl Hayes. What, if not the wrestling oh. industry, what field does Bruce, Bruce think Bruce. What field does Bruce think he would have had a good life in? So I guess said another way, Carl wants to know, had wrestling not worked out, what was your blackout band? <laughs> well, wow. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I never, I never wavered from the time I was four years old. Uh, to this day, I never wavered in what I wanted to do. And it was always be in this business. 
And I, in my life plan, I planned on being, you know, a wrestler and being the world champion and then being a, a promoter and being the, uh, commentator on the weekly television show. (laughs) You know, I, that was my goal. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to own it all and control it all. I just didn't know that it would pan out the way that it did. It still kind of did everything. Justin Bracken wants to know, but do I have to, but do I have to Mr. Hayes? Cause look, look, we're dealing with Michael's family now. I don't want to disappoint Mr. Hayes. Yeah. So just pick something. Would you have sold cars? Would you have been, would you have been an, would you have been an attorney? Would you have slung mortgages? Would you have been in television production? Would you have been a, a, a son of a plumber? I mean, what would you have done? Probably a lawyer. I can see you doing that. You're a good arguer. Yeah. Because I, they always wanted me from, I, I wasn't even, uh, in speech and they wanted me to be on the debate team. I think you could. So could we just talk you up for the tournaments? True story. Well, we've had some good arguments here on the show. Debates. Yeah, same thing. Uh, Justin wants to know hypothetically, what would it sound like if Jim Cornette and Jerry Jarrett were in a heated debate discussing why a double cheeseburger or a chicken salad sandwich are better? Huh? Motherfucker! Huh? Uh, motherfucking asswipe. Uh, fuck you. I feel like that would motherfucker. Thank you. See, you tried to fake me out with the with the mouth open thing. Yes. I was looking. I You're was ready watching. for it. There it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, see, but they don't have video here, Conrad. But they can even without the video, I can hear you go <sighs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> And I knew, but I knew that you wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't with the word coming up behind it. You know what I'm saying? Got it. Fuck you, motherfucker. <clears throat> do you think if you lived in an apartment, and I know you don't because you went to buy with Conrad.com, but do you think if you lived in an apartment, if your neighbors heard <laughs> you hooting and hollering like this, they'd call the police. Oh boy. Boy, howdy. I wonder why my neighbors out here in the woods don't complain and call the police sometimes. Um, the It's funny you say that. So before we moved up here in the, my place in Friendswood, I had a separate office that was away from the house. And it kind of like backed up to the neighbors on the back side of us. And it backed up to their backyard. They were always out there in the, the pool and shit and everything. And sometimes you would upset me and make me get loud. And I guess one of the kids went to my kids and said, wow, I heard your dad yelling and screaming, chewing somebody out the other day. I said, what was that all about? And they were like, what? Yeah, I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. Then put two and two together and it was just. Just another day, it's something to rest with, Bruce Pritchard. Because sometimes when I would cut the promos and shit, I would leave my door open if it was a nice day outside. And I would go ahead and pontificate. Sometimes I could be a little loud. I know that's hard to believe. I like it when you're loud. 
Uh, Ryan wants to know, thank you. What happened to Bonnie Blackstone? She was there for a cup of coffee in 93. And I thought she did a good job interviewing talent. I thought Bonnie did a real good job. You know, Bonnie, I met in, um, global when we were down in the sportatorium in Dallas, uh, she was married to Joe Pettacino and we lost Joe, I think last year. Uh, but she came up for a little bit and I think that just Bonnie was a little bit ahead of her time. Really. It was, I think she was the first female interviewer that we had at, at the time, you know, we had Mike McGurk who was a ring announcer and you know, Bonnie was just probably ahead of her time, but I don't think that she liked traveling all that much either. Yeah. I get that. And, and probably being away as, as much as she was, but, uh, really, really nice lady. And, uh, I thought she was good at what she did. Great question here from Dave Parsons. He wants to know, let's pretend for a second. He winds up ending his personal ban on traveling outside of Louisville. Could Bruce realistically see Jim Cornette being inducted into the WWE hall of fame one day? I'd love for Jim Cornette to be inducted into the hall of fame one day. He's gotta be right. It's gonna happen. I didn't have to be, but I mean, I think it'd be great if he was. And I assume, is it fair to assume that, that he would probably want to go in as part of the midnight express with Stan and Dennis and, and Bobby posthumously. I, I would think so. And I would hope that Corny would want to be in it. Oh yeah. I mean, why wouldn't he? Well, because it's very popular to say that I wouldn't be in, well, just in that hall of fame, no matter what they ever did or said, or by God, I'll never step foot in that hall of fame until you ask him. Well, but I'm just saying he went up there and, and helped induct rock and roll several years ago. Why not? Right. So I think that there's, there's hope. And I think that Jimmy's deserving of it. All right. No doubt. No doubt. George Jones wants to know who was originally going to be revealed as the anonymous raw GM before it was changed. Oh, to Hornswoggle. Just, oh wow. You were, I was doing a little bit of George Jones there by God. Anonymous Raw he G. He stopped loving her today. <laughs> I know you were going to hit that one. Is that your and Jerry Briscoe's <laughs> favorite song to sing together? <laughs> it is one of, man. That and, and kicking out the footlights, man. It, it's, uh, yeah, but we, we got a few of them. Yeah. He stopped loving her today. Yeah. So, goddamn, pal, who was the anonymous Raw GM before it was changed to Hornswoggle? I have no idea. Wasn't there? Will you ask tomorrow and text me? Oh, uh, okay. Can you imagine if you, <laughs> I get this all the time, Conrad, if you got to interview Vince McMahon and ask him one question, what would it be? Can you imagine if the question was, Hey, Mr. McMahon, who was going to be the anonymous raw GM before it was changed to Hornswoggle? Can you imagine if that was the real deal? Well, I think you should. Efren wants to know if Pat Patterson were a whammy on pressure luck. And he took all of the contestants money. What would that sound like? Okay. You will need to translate that to me. Cause I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. There was a, there was a, 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 a show, right? It's a game show on TV okay. back when you were younger, man. And they would have an opportunity where things were on a board and they would go, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy stop. And so things would be revealed. And if it was a whammy, then they, they got wiped out. It was like hitting bankrupt on the wheel of fortune. Okay. Well, so, so what's the question again? This Pat. is where this is Efren asking you to do speak and spell for Pat Patterson. Just make various Pat Patterson noises. 
I'm a fabricated chance. I don't wear me. Fuck you, wear me, man. <laughs> I don't pay. So set it to boo and then fucking wear me. You come here and that's your case. It's $10,000. Fuck that shit. Uh, I got you, wear me. Uh, you know, I, I know we don't talk about current stuff, but I think this is allowed. What'd you think of Pat Patterson's portrayal on Young Rock? The guy sounds like Pat. He does a great like job. Pat. He does an awesome Pat, man. I thought it was fucking great. You know that they, they have to get a, the joke, which already two weeks in is old, which, but here's my point on that is that it personifies Pat. Yeah. Because two weeks it's old after like 20 minutes, it was old, (laughs) you know, back then. Hey, Conrad. He loved it though. Conrad. Yeah. You know, he's asking about you the other day. Who? Nobody. Hey, you get it? I said, hey. and you said who? I said nobody, because you think I'm asking. Hey, you know how to pace, because you think I'm talking. I'm gonna say, hey, Bruce was asking, but nobody's asking. I just pace. I go, go, go. You do want some French fries? I knew you were gonna. I just pay the booty poo. Royal Rumble 2017. I had an entire conversation with myself. And you know what? We got it and we understood it. Royal Rumble 2017, company hotel, sitting at the bar. And uh, Rick's on my left, Pat Patterson's on my right. And he says, Conrad, let's get some French fries. I was like, nah, I don't really like French fries. Boy, he thought that was the funniest line he'd ever heard. Fuck you, you don't like French fries. And he does the film. You put the mashed potato, the mashed bit, the bit, the bit, the bit. Now you deep fry them. You put the ketchup and a little salt and a little vinegar. And of course you did the food. Uh, we'll get some dessert later, too. Two. Uh, a wrestling historian wants to know if Eddie Guerrero and Shawn Michaels had happened at WrestleMania 22, oh. who would have won that dream match? Oh, man. Eddie. Well, I hope it wouldn't have been just one. All right. I, I think that that would have been one of the, just an unbelievable, great promo full of, I mean, great promo, great program full of a lot of classics along the way. And really wouldn't matter who'd win. Some F and nineties guy wants to know Marty Jannetty was given second chances, but Shawn Michaels was given free passes. Why was that the case? How do you figure? I think that a lot of people would could look at it the other way. John Michaels is given a lot of second chances, and Marty was given free passes. So it depends on your point of view. Michael says, Some F. With Vince hating being called Junior, is Terry Funk the only one to get away with it? Well, Vince isn't a Junior, which no. is why he doesn't like to be called Junior. He's not a Junior. Yeah, nobody's, so, at, nobody's debating that. The question is... Is Terry Funk the only one to try to pull it off? I think a lot of people have tried. There's just, yeah. I think a lot of people have called him that. Okay. This is fun. Your mother's a whore. You see that great picture Mick Foley tweeted out the other day where he went to visit Terry. How nice was that? I did. I love Terry Funk. By God. Hope he had a great weekend and a happy Easter. You know, we did. He's still, still kicking. I'm still crazy after all these years. Jason. Your mother's a whore. That's really not nice. Well, Conrad, I can't help it. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Well, why has it got to be my mama? Ask Terry. Jason wants to know, we've heard about the times Hogan was attacked on the brother love show, but wasn't there an episode where brother love got roughed up by the bushwhackers and was left covered in sardines. How did that come about? And what did Bruce think of it? Wow. There, there was an episode of, uh, a brother love show, in which the bushwhackers were his guest and he was unceremoniously attacked and fed sardines much to his dislike. So my hair was real long then too. And I used to pull my hair up in a ponytail. And again, it just, as much as I could do to disguise myself from what I look like, not as brother love, Vince wanted to do this deal, you know, and I, you know, no bushwhackers will feed you sardines and you eat the sardines. And and then they rush in your hair, in your ears and up your nose. Which I get. Look, if I was producing it, I would have done exactly the same thing and wanted the I would want to have happened to Brother Love that exactly what what did happen. Um, and so they got it. They did. And they got it in my hair. They got it in my eyes. They got it up my nose. They got it in my ears. They got it down my pants and my shirt. Just everywhere. Right. So. I come back to Gorilla. <laughs> All right, so we're back at it, Bruce. We're talking about sardines. So the Bushwhackers went out. They they accomplished what they needed to accomplish, and everybody thought it was the funniest thing they'd ever seen. Vince and Heenan and Andre are all huddled around the gorilla position, laughing their ass off. I even think there was a big yellow and red dude standing there, and they just thought that was funny as shit. Ruh, 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 ruh. So... I put my head down and I reached back and I undid my ponytail. And you ever see a wet dog come in from the rain yep. and come into the kitchen and just shake? And yes. Water goes everywhere and yes. mud and shit gets all over the walls and everything. Yep. Well, I became that wet dog and I started shaking my head and sardines and shit went everywhere. And there was a giant. There was Vince <laughs> and fucking Hogan trying to hide behind Andre and everybody. Yeah. And they stopped laughing. So I gave them a little, uh, a little bit of the sardines so they could experience a little bit, but it was, I look now it was some fun shit. And I thought it was pretty damn entertaining shit. Well, here's one. Yay! I love me some bushwhackers, man. Who would have ever thought? Get the sheepers, the blood and gut sheepers, and right. had their entire career based in just gore and violence would be the most lovable, biggest baby faces in the world. And who would have thought that Johnny Ace, who was with them, would have gone on to do what he did, or that we would have another Butch in wrestling today? I mean, he could. He could. Hey, uh, I know. Uh oh, I did bad. <laughs> I don't, I don't is that the reaction to hiring the wrong one-legged wrestler? Oh no. <laughs> He's what? No. I don't I don't know. It could. He's what do you mean it's the wrong leg? Anyway. <laughs> Dan wants to know when Gina Hernandez died, he was in the blinded angle with Chris Adams. 
who was questioned by police after Gino's death in an era where people believed it was still legit. How would you have advised Adams to talk to authorities without exposing the business? I wasn't even there. <laughs> I was in England. I wasn't there. Um, thank God Chris had an alibi because the cops in Texas, you never know, man. They'd be like, I bet it was Englishman. Oh, what do you think? Herb? Yeah, it was Englishman. They talk funny. I can't understand a word he's saying. It wasn't even, even that. I don't even know what the other language that is. Boy, don't even talk English. The, Shit. The boy. He probably done it. I seen, you know, on TV, them Bon Eric, and, and after all them things they did to them Bon Eric boys, just saying, sometimes they deserve what they get. That's the way shit, man, <laughs> probably would have gone down had he not been in England and real alibi. Maybe he paid somebody. Think we ought to look at that? Where's that Michael B.S. Haynes at? And that buddy Jam Rogers. Terry Boom Boom Gordon. Where are them boys at? Because you know what? I bet you they's involved in this too somehow. Michael so was. Michael wants to know one of my favorite moments of all time is when Eddie turned on Ray and gave him a suplex on the bottom half of the steel steps. Whose idea was that? And was anyone worried about the execution of the move? Well, it's probably Eddie and Ray's idea. And with those two guys knowing each other, the way that they do and the trust factor, no issues whatsoever. But I, I would imagine it's probably their idea. Uh, Corey wants to know recently, I've been looking at videos of Spanish announced table breaks. I don't know if it's Hugo Savinovich or Carlos Cabrera, but one of them always seems to do the slowest falling over his chair moment. Did he do this intentionally or is Vince asking him to do this? Uh, no, it would probably be due to the unathleticism of them just kind of being a little slow. So what's the right way to fall over your chair? Can you show us? I don't follow. I, I would do it very athletically and very full for oh, I would do it very four time black belt hall of famer ish. Oh, I like that. We turned that into a, I like that. Uh, Samuel wants to know, was there ever talk of adding more family members to the Kane undertaker bear scenario? <laughs> I don't remember if it was a dirt sheet or the WWF magazine, but there was an article that insinuated that Paul bear was going to reveal more family. That's great stuff. Yeah. I'm sure then we just changed our plans because it got out on the, anyway, in the, in your own magazine. No, seriously, yeah. serious business. Chat me up. Did you ever remember there being a discussion of, uh, we, we got to get a, another guy in here. No, you know, it was pushing, it was pushing it to get Kane in there and then pushing it even more <laughs> to reveal that Paul bear diddled his mama. Yeah. You know, all those nights, Undertaker, when you were down there, you heard your mama moaning and groaning. Oh, yes. That was this right here. Yeah. Oh, God. You just stuck your tongue out like that. Wow. No, I didn't. I just stood up. Oh, okay. Okay. Marcus Holland wants to know, have you ever had a wrestler ready to debut and they can't miss, but they just can't do it because of nerves? Hmm. No. 
Uh, Chris wants to know, it was mentioned a while back that there was consideration for Savage to regain the intercontinental title from steamboat in June of 87. If that happened, do you think we still get the Savage babyface turn and subsequent title run or would Vince have done things differently entirely? I think that it would have been a completely different feel, uh, for Randy to do that. And Vince kind of had knowing Hogan going away, had the idea in his head that he needed somebody to be in that role and was leaning towards Savage. So I don't think that it was something that would have even been considered at that point. Brian wants to know if the title is just a prop. Why do the people who have them in storyline have to carry them around for travel? That's an interesting question. You're not traveling with other props. So you, couldn't you just keep that on the ring truck. You bring your gear, don't you? Yep. Okay. Well, it's part of your gear. Part of your uniform. So it really is a belt. So we're back at it, Bruce. And you were saying earlier that you didn't have belts, you had championships, but now you're saying that the belt is part of our uniform. So no, I'm saying championship is part of their gear. If they're a champion, they got to be a champion at all times. I mean, in reality, it's because you might need them to do media or some such. I mean, that would be the only reason you would have to carry it around with you. Right. Well, if you're the champion, you're the champion or you're not. So you're saying they should just like wear it to bed. Well, I would hope that they would bring clothes with them. Right. Yeah. I hope that those clothes would be becoming of a superstar. Right. Okay. And if they're a champion, that they should bring their championships. All righty. Uh, Joshua wants to know Bruce in a match where there was a clear injury and someone was scheduled to win a title in said match. Has there been an on the fly call to keep the belt on the current champion? Let me give an example here, Bruce. We all know that when Owen Hart dropped Steve Austin on his head, he was supposed to win the intercontinental championship or the next day on raw kiss Owen's ass. So even though he couldn't really do it. Austin made the cover and he won the intercontinental championship, but in hindsight, I think most folks agree. I probably should have done something a little different there. Do you remember that happening at any point in time? I'm sure it has, but I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. It escapes me. Do you remember? But I'm there, sure that somewhere along the way there's, it has happened. Do you remember there ever being a time where a match was in the ring? And Vince changed the finish in the middle of the match. Yeah, we've done that before. Do you recall a scenario or a circumstance? I don't recall specifically, but yes, we've, we've definitely done that. Whether it was crowd response or just, you know, looking at it going, this isn't working. Change it up. Uh, Josh wants to know after being involved in the biz since a very young age with 30 plus years of booking and inside management. Is it harder to sit back and just be a fan while watching a match? It must be difficult to not try to constantly break down a match from the creative or business aspect. Well, that's funny because I, I really, really try and I cannot help myself. So the answer to your question is, um, I would love to, but I just find myself, my brain, not being able to work that way. The idea being you see something and you think it should be, you got to do something about it. You got to say something and you, yes, 
You just can't sit back. Oh, well, it's just not my character. Uh, Chris wants to know, has Vince ever been pitched an idea by an agent writer or wrestler where he liked the idea, but said no, in order to test the person with the idea as to whether or not they would stand up to Vince or see how passionate they were about the idea. Yeah. I mean, there've been times where he said no to the point of sell me, or I don't, I don't understand it to just figure it out more. Right. Yeah. That's definitely happened. Uh, Kevin wants to know how would wrestling had been, had Ric Flair gone to the WWF in 1983 and Hulk Hogan gone to Jim Crockett promotions. Boy, you got to put on your, your crazy thinking hat here, Bruce. Let's think about that. Ric Flair's there at the beginning of Vince McMahon's national expansion. He's there for the first WrestleMania. Hulk Hogan's there for the first Starcade. It's kind of hard to even imagine. What do you think that would have looked like? I don't know that Rick could have pulled off the vision of the over the top, um, just larger than life persona that Vince was looking for from the Hogan and the Dusty that were. Uh, mu- relied much more on their promo and their gimmick and their charisma and personality much more so than their necessarily their in-ring work. And I think that that would have, I think that would be the big difference more than anything. What do you think? I mean, obviously everything's way different. Hogan would have been battling dusty and Crockett in theory, if that could have, if, if the audience would have embraced his presentation, I'm not sure about that. Do you think Vince could Rick have been the guy for Vince? You think? I don't know. Only from the standpoint of the direction that you also have to look at, look, it wasn't Hogan's decision and or Rick's decision on either one. Right. So you still have to look at the guy that is creating all of it, whether that be Dusty or Crockett or Vince or whoever it is. So you have to look at it, you know, through their eyes and and what they would do with uh, a Hogan or a Flair in that regard. So that that's the bigger question is what could they have done with them and what would the end result be on that? I'm not saying they couldn't have pulled it off. I'm just saying that it would have been, they weren't the character that either one was looking for. Crockett was looking for more of a sports oriented foundation. Vince was looking more for an entertainment oriented foundation. When you look over to the Jim Crockett promotions roster, was there a guy who Vince could have gone with? Dusty. Is the, is the opposite true? Is there a guy on WWF's roster who perhaps could have been the Ric Flair, if that makes sense for Jim Crockett Savage. Oh, wow. Okay. I like that. Speaking of Savage, Michael wants to know where did macho man get all the little milks for his cream of the crop promo. Little milks RS. Thank you. For you ain't that. never been to that little cups RS and shit. No, but I hear they're busy this time of year. Oh yeah. 
Uh, Jeff wants to know when celebrities are shown in attendance during WrestleMania or any televised event, are they brought in by the company or are they simply wrestling fans that are in attendance and the company notices them and shows them on TV? Uh, it's people that come to the shows are happy to be there and we put them on TV. You know, some don't, some ask not to, I, I go back to, um, oh gosh, um, Austin. All right. All right. All right. I'm begging for a little help here. What do you Matthew mean? Matthew McConaughey and oh. uh, Lance Armstrong didn't want to be on camera. By the way, <laughs> that is the worst Matthew McConaughey impression. I've ever that was heard. great. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Char- yeah, that was good. Charlie Thrower wants to know, we hear about these marathon work days and the wee hours of the morning. Mr. Pritchard, if you can, what goes into a typical work day that uses up so many of your hours? Waiting. <laughs> lots of waiting let's move lots on of before we get in trouble uh Lindsay wants to know we heard your name mentioned a few times during this year's hall of fame ceremony who is the one person or tag team you think needs to be inducted that hasn't yet been do you have a favorite that you're pulling for bruce that you'd like to see go in that hadn't had their opportunity yet oh boy um This is going to sound really weird. Okay. Baron Miguel Secluna and King Curtis Ikea. Oh, okay. Here's why. When I was a kid, early 70s, one of my first exposures to the WWWF was a shot of King Curtis and... Baron Miguel Secluna as a tag team. Now I had seen Secluna work in Houston prior to that, like in the late sixties. Um, so I knew who he was. And then there was this Curtis Ikea that just looked interesting in the magazines. And I thought that they, like, Oh my God, these guys got to be the baddest badasses in the world. Now they were only probably only tag team champions for a week or two. Who knows? But I, I think back on history, and I think back at some of the the guys that made a, a huge impression on me. Uh, Fuji and Tanaka, the Moondogs, guys like that that you look back, Demolition, that I, I think are, are the foundations in so many ways that were great tag teams. Midnight Express. Miss Elizabeth. Cindy Lauper. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jim Johnston. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I think that sometimes it really needs, it needs to be sometimes people that they know and in front of I, the camera to, yeah. yeah, to, to Joe blow sitting at home, who cares about the guy that, uh, that does music and that's not to disparage Jim Johnston or say that's not an extremely important part of what we do. Just saying to the guy sitting in Hoboken. Oh, okay. So do you not think Kevin, Dunn, you don't think Kevin Dunn hey. should go in one day? Hey. I love you for that. When you called me this past week and I had my ringer on and it played that rap song from way back when, 
Cassio and Judy and everybody just looked at me like, who in the world is that? That's Bruce. Uh, do you think Kevin Dunn should go in the hall of fame someday? I do. He would probably disagree with me, but I do without a doubt. Isn't he I think behind- his dad should, and I think he should, but isn't he behind the scenes? He is, but he makes it all happen too. And I, I just, again, I, I don't know why. I just don't think that the Jim would people know who he is and would they care? Probably not. Uh, Lindsay wants to know how or why is a referee assigned to any specific match? Like how, why how, are referees assigned in the NFL, the NBA? No, no, no. Come on now. Here's what we're saying. Like do referees go request a match? Do agents say we're putting these guys together? Do the boys say, Oh, I like to work with so-and-so she's trying to ask, how do you decide which referee goes with what match in what segment? Sometimes talent will, will prefer a certain referee. Otherwise it's just, uh, an assignment. It's just, it's just laying out, looking at it and who assign, who makes flow. the assignment is the question. It depends. It depends on any given night. It could be somebody in talent relations. It could be one of the other referees or one of the agents. It really, it really depends. I got you. So there's not our day. Tony Gurria did it sometimes. A lot of times, you know, Sometimes Pat would do it. Sometimes Strongbow would do it. It just would depend on the night and what was going on. Uh, Michael wants to know, I'm curious what kind of decision goes into whether or not there's a dark match after a TV taping or not. I've been to some shows and there was one and other times there hasn't been. Bruce, is that just based on what was marketed locally? If we advertise, it it also depends on what was also done during the show. So sometimes there are things that are during the show that had been advertised locally that you've now seen, you've seen it. So if you're going there to see edge versus Roman reigns and it's in segments two and three of whatever show you're there to see that night, it's not going to go on and go on after the show. You've already seen it. Happy Gilmore wants to know when the WWF aired house shows on the MSG network, for example, how was that produced? Was the WWF in the truck or was the MSG people uh, involved in the production who paid for the production truck? How did all that work? No, it wasn't. It was MSG. It was most of those cable companies. So prism in, I guess that was Philly. MSG was Madison score garden. Boston was Nesson network. Uh, MSG in particular had an in-house they have all in-house production and it would be their people, um, their production. And we would bring the commentators and we would supply the show. But for the most part, at least while I was there, I wrote it and, uh, I would pretty much tell them what to do, but they, they would then direct it. And after a while it got to be so bad because man, some of those directors were God awful that we, started bringing our own directors and that became a training ground for, for directors and things. And then we got to the point where, ah, you know what? I'm going to have a couple of key cameramen in there and what have you. And, but it was all done in house. This is an interesting question. Shout out to Jonathan for asking it. Do you think had territory survived that maybe at one point you would have taken over and ran Houston after Paul Bosch? And where would you have taken it if given the chance? Well, that was always my dream. Um, really? We I, never I think, talked about that, but you wanted one day to sit in the big chair in Houston. 
Absolutely. That's cool, man. That that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a promoter and have my own TV show and be the the commentator on the TV show and have my own promotion and and be the man about town. But uh, since you couldn't do it in Houston, you do it for the world. That's cool. That's what I do, Conrad. I'm just I, I'm I'm pleasing the world. You are taking care of the world. Yes, a few hours at a time every week. Um, Charlie Thrower wants to know. <laughs> And I know we don't talk about current stuff, but this is safe. Has anyone in the back hit you with some of your own catchphrases or impressions from the pods that she came back to the company? Yes. Okay. Thank you for that in-depth answer. Um, you know, I get hit with the most. What? Chat, Chat me, me up, Bruce. Yeah. I, and I know who that is. Shout out to Ed. Uh, Andrew wants to know, although we know he doesn't need the money. Do you think Vince McMahon will ever do an autograph signing? Probably not. Just don't think that'll ever happen. I don't think so either. Um, You know what? His good friend of mine said one day, never say never. Well, closed mouths don't get fed. You know, if you don't ask, you don't know. The answer is always no. The answer is always no. So you ask the question. Charlie Thrower wants to know, Mr. Pritchard. Has someone's voice, the sound, not the accent ever been a drawback to their success? Meaning maybe there was a guy who looked like a badass killer, but he sounded like a fifth grader. Ooh, I'm sure there is. I I can't think of any besides Mike Tyson. I mean, Mike Tyson back in the day was kind of comical, but in wrestling, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't think that stopped him though. Nope. He, he did just fine. Yeah, I really can't think of anybody. I, I think that, you know, from guys like Vince Russo, who felt that no one could take anybody with a Southern accent seriously, um, for the most part, I, I can't think of anybody. Uh, here's one from uh, J.M. Wagner. In the late 90s and early 2000s, with the increase of women wrestlers, was there ever talk of bringing in female writers besides Stephanie for more female-related storylines? Uh, that's something I never even really thought about, but whenever we think about quote unquote bookers in wrestling, it does feel like for the most part, it's always dudes. Was there ever an initiative to have more ladies on a writing team back in the day? We've, we have a lot of female representation on the writing team now and have since God early two thousands. Well, that's, that was my question is when did it become a thing? Um, I, it became a thing when the writing team expanded. I got you. Uh, J J M Wagner wants to know with WWE possibly considering doing two nights of WrestleMania from now on, could you ever see them trying again at repeat of WrestleMania two, where we have WrestleMania in two separate locations like Saturday, WrestleMania in NYC, but Sunday WrestleMania in Chicago. As a reminder, some of our listeners may not have been watching back then or be familiar with the, the, the circumstance you had a show in New York a show in Chicago and a show in LA that was WrestleMania too. It was too big for just one city. So we did it three different towns, but it's never been attempted since. Do you think now, since it's a two night affair, it could work in two separate cities? No, I don't. It would because be tough. You're only you have gonna so have many... one destination. WrestleMania is the destination. That's right. 
And if you split that up and now you're adding additional costs and everything else, I just don't think that'd be feasible. Uh, Mr. Williams wants to know, has USA TNN spike or sci-fi ever had any say in what talent you could hire? Now, of course, I know you're probably thinking from a WWF standpoint, but I think once upon a time, some of the TNA talent was on spikes payroll, right? Well, yeah, that's because Dixie asked them, (laughs) right? So that was more of a, in my opinion, I, I think giving the the network a little bit more more rain than they needed to have. Ask Eric Bischoff that question sometimes uh, just to get his response. But I, I don't think that beyond really TNA, and I, I have no idea what was going on in WCW, but from our vantage point, no. Michael Green wants to know, when you were working Gorilla, has Bruce ever said, what the fuck? When first seeing a talent's entrance attire, was there anything that was a little too out there for even you, Bruce? Hmm. Once again, I'm, I'm sure there was, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of times, oh, some of that gold dust stuff in like 98, that was probably up there. Yeah, that was up there, but I kind of knew it was coming. I, I think more than anything, when you are looking at someone up a grill, first of all, it's dark up there and huh you may not see colors or they may be wearing a jacket that covers everything. And then they take that jacket off and then you're looking on the monitor. Then you go, what the fuck? Um, things like that. But for the most part, uh, I mean, yes, yes and no. And I, and, and it's been, been a good surprise. And I've had people go back and change too. Anthony, take that off. go put your old gear on. Oh, you would tell people that. Oh Yeah. Because they tried something new and you thought it just didn't look awesome. Yes. Copy that. All right. This is a fun one. I hadn't talked about this in a while. Anthony wants to know, given the chance, would you have ever wanted to do a tag team with your brother, Dr. Tom? Just for I like did a team with my brother, Dr. Tom. Oh, that was in Memphis. Wasn't it? Memphis, Tennessee, the new Daisy theater. That's right. I won. Of course. Damn not? right. I was big baby face that night. Big baby face. Zero cool wants to know, did wrestlers ever complain about the confetti that would come down during gold dust entrance? I always remember seeing it on Sean's back in 1996. I do remember there being like, I think you guys flyered something once, or maybe that was on nitro, but flyers came down and then the guys are still trying to wrestle through it. It was like part of an entrance, but boy, they were slipping all over with those boots. Yeah, the, the biggest issue was outside and it, stuff getting on there and making the mat slick. Yeah. So when it's a safety issue, yeah. To me, I would, more than anything would, would be the just glitter in general and stuff like that getting all over you. Jesse DeMarc says, I'd love to hear Bruce's wrestling rescue pilot that was filmed outside of Pittsburgh several years back. There's got to be a great story there. <laughs> what? So this guy, how <laughs> love you got serious? Um, he, uh, calls me one day and said he had an idea, uh, to do a wrestling version of, um, what the hell's the name of the show? What, Restaurant John Rescue. What? Oh no. Yeah. Bar Rescue. Yeah. Bar Rescue. And it was, you know, the, the 
that deal. And I said, sure. You know, at that point, I wasn't doing anything. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so we went. And uh, the funny thing about it was, was I really didn't care whether it was a work or or not. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I don't care. He says, well, no, we want you to actually really go in and do this. And we'll, we, we will pay for the production company. We'll pay for whatever changes you want to make and all this. And we'll, we'll do it in real time. Um, I think we, we did the makeover in 48 hours that we had to do the makeover and all that good shit. We went up and, and did it with this guy. Um, Every one of my reactions was about as real as real could get, man. And I didn't have to put on for the camera because they gave me plenty of material to work with. And it was a promoter that was a guy that he was just a shyster. I think he was... He was either married, he, he may have been married, but then he had like a 18-year-old girlfriend and they would make out in the front row in the middle oh. of the show. Um, he, it, it was just terrible. I mean, it was just, it was, it was absolutely terrible. Everything about it was, was terrible from the appearance to the talent. And so we went in and, uh, he asked, was there somebody, the only thing that I did in advance was we were able to have Matt Hardy come in and be the talent that we brought in from outside to come in and do the show. But it was, oh my God, man, there was just so many things. He was supposed to meet us at 830 in the morning to start shooting, like on the day after their show. So now we're going to go in and, you know, not, now we're going to start the work, right? Here's everything that was wrong with your show last night. Here's what we need to do. We need to bing, 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 and get this guy rolling, right? Well, we're there, and we're staying like an hour and a half away. Why? I'll never know. But we're staying like an hour and a half away, driving 90 minutes each way. So we get there, and we're there at 830 in the morning, and nobody's there. Crew, everybody, we're all there, man. You know, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And and it was like at a school or a church or something. And I'm getting madder and madder and madder. Guy's 30 minutes late. He's an hour late. He's an hour and a half late. He's two hours late. And I'm living. I'm saying, fuck this. I'm done. And I start, I said, roll that camera, man. Let's go. And I start cutting a promo. And I'm walking around the building cutting a promo. And I'm like, you're in this just cheap, shitty building and blah, blah, blah. And I start shaking the door and I shake the door and the door pops open. Now, this is the building. The guy tells me the night before that we can leave our gear in. Oh, leave it here. It's all locked up. It's going to be fine. It's safe here. And I'm walking around with the camera crew and I'm walking around and just shake the door and it pops right open. And we would have had $50,000 worth of gear sitting in there, not locked. And now I really go nuts. And I went in and I showed them what could happen if someone were to break in and wanted to do damage. And since the door was open and all this shit was in there, I went ahead and did damage. And to this day, and unless the guy watches this and uh, or listens to this, he'll find out I'm the one that tore up the building. 
I'm the one that threw everything and tore everything up because I was so damn mad that they were in a building where nothing was secure. So they deserved it. The guy came in and was like, oh, my God. I was like, oh, my God. And I, they, they shot me tearing it up. I mean, so it wasn't like it was a big thing. But, um, yeah, it was crazy. The sizzle actually was, was kind of cool. It was nice. But, uh, no, I never got picked up. We were looking at uh, Discovery America was one of the networks. And, and uh, nobody wanted it, History. Then History later on came to me for for my own series, but that was a different deal. Let's, uh, let's do a few more and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, Jamie wants to know 1988 instead of JCP buying Watts out, Bruce does. Do you think you could have kept the UWF viable and how did you have stuck with doc or went in a totally different direction? At at the time, no, the UWF wasn't viable. You know, they, as Jim Crockett found out that they were, it was smoke and mirrors. And there wasn't a whole lot there to buy either. They weren't buying anything. They're, you know, you're buying air. Okay, we're well, going to get our TV slots in in these markets. Okay, big deal. You go out of business, those slots are available again, probably for pennies on the dollar. So they were sold a bill of goods. Jim Crockett was sold a bill of goods. I don't think Jim Crockett ever paid uh, all the money that he allegedly was supposed to pay. But... Um, no, I, I wouldn't. I, I don't think that I would ever advise anybody to to buy, you know, wrestling territory or or anything like that. That all that was something that always just tickled me. That Alabama, Alabama. Do you know how many times that that territory was sold over and over and over again? A lot. A lot. And the owners would just go in and then another guy would come by with some money and go, Hey, yeah, you know, uh, we'll sell you our territory, $50,000. Take the money. The guys would run the territory for a little while, lose all their money. And then the old owners would just come back in and start promoting again and sell it to someone else. But I used to ask the question, what, what are you buying? You're buying air, especially we're going to give you the right to promote in our town. Well, who gives you the right to give that right to anybody else? This is America. Last time I checked. And as long as you can get a promoter's license and you have talent, you have a show, then you can promote and do whatever you want. But for Bill Watts or anybody else, just say, well, yeah, you got to pay me to run Tulsa. No, I don't. It's like Houston. Oh, you want to buy Houston? What are they buying? Right. There's, there's nothing to buy. Paul wants to know that was funny. What's the etiquette for leaving a show early. Say you're on the opening match in a house show. Can the said superstar leave and go back to his hotel? Or if you're a rookie, it's expected for you to watch the rest of the show from gorilla. So you can watch and improve. How does that work? Well, if I were you, I'd stay out of gorilla cause gorilla is a workspace and people just hanging around, getting away and are pain in the ass. Um, However, I think that if you are a student of the game and you want to be better at your craft and you don't want to be in the uh, opening match and you want to be a top guy, then I would stay and watch every single thing on the show and make sure that the top guys that are coming out at the end of the night have ice cold water uh, when they come through the curtain. 
to me, that's how you learn. You learn by watching everybody. You learn what to do and what not to do. Uh, there's nothing disadvantageous. Dis, I don't even know what the hell word I'm trying to say, but there's no disadvantage to staying and watching the entire show. So you're going to get back to the hotel an hour and a half earlier. Good for you. And you can also end your career 10 years earlier too. Joe Miner wants to know, I know Russo didn't have all home run ideas with creative, but what were three of his best ideas that you think he came up with? Hmm. Rock and sock stuff. Is there some, that was Mick. Is there some fun Austin stuff, some fun undertaker stuff? The Austin stuff, most of that was Vincent, Vincent Austin. I know Russo will tell you, ah, I was all me, bro. And, and you know what Russo was really good at? Russo was good at making everything else on the television show have a story. Yes. And to me, I thought Russo was excellent at that. And Russo was really good at making stories out of every single thing that was put on television. The idea being that the the knock against Vince for a long time was he only really cared about the attraction, the main event, the thing that's on the poster, but with Russo, man, everybody felt like they had something of interest, right? Yeah. And whether they did or didn't, there was that feeling and there was at least an emphasis put on it. JT wants to know, do you think you could take a stoner better than Vince? Today? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the thought of my knees coming down on the mat at the same time, that's one of those things that uh, probably ain't going to happen anytime soon. So uh, Andy wants to know outside of the ring, who's the best dressed and worst dressed talent and whose style would you copy? Oh my God. Well, by far, um, without question, Ric Flair was always the best dressed. Okay. Um, always just, you could put Ric Flair in, in a pair of shorts and flip-flops and he'd still be the best dressed guy there just because of the way that he, he wears stuff always dressed to the nines. Uh, Mick Foley was always the worst dressed bar none. <laughs> Whose style would you copy? Um, probably flares. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Tim Chamberlain says Bruce said he would have an announcement after WrestleMania. Will we be getting that soon? Yeah. Big announcement. Huge announcement. Just wait. Damn it. Soon. Not ready yet. Soon. Soon. Mike Joyce. Never say never bitches. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's never hurtful. say never Conrad. Say it Conrad. Bitches. Oh, no. never say never. Yeah. Uh, Mike Joyce says, why didn't John stud work out in the late eighties after he uh, left? Why do you think, why don't you think he tried to join the NWA or somewhere else? I think that John, you know, John got in his head that he was a giant and John wanted to work like he was a giant. The attraction of John for many years was that he was a large man, a real big man that could, that could work like a giant and, but also work with everybody else. And John got to the point where he didn't want to work like that anymore. He wanted to work like Andre. There was only one Andre. And I think that was probably the downfall of, of John at the time. Tristan says, can you talk about how working and being away from your family on the road has impacted your relationships? And what did you do to make up for that time away when you're finally home? I've been married 26 years. And the reason I've been married 26 years is because I've been on the road all my life. I heard that from Rick that 
you know, when WCW went down, it was the first time he was home and it totally changed the whole dynamic. Everybody it had does, a- man. You come home and fuck everything up at home. My kids are like going, who's this guy telling us what to do? Right. Like they have everything under control and all this shit. And then you come home and, and start saying you're doing what? What do you mean? They got to go to school now. What time do they get home? Well, that's too early. Can't they do something else? You know, I mean, oh no, you screw everything up when you're home all the time. And for me, that's the secret to my success was, is being on the road. And the, the other secret was that my wife and I were best friends before we ever became a couple. And she knew the lifestyle long before she ever went out on a date with me. And and there was just never any, any change in it. And when I was home for a while after being let go, that was one of those times where it's like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. Who's wait, can't you find something else to do, man? <laughs> you know, anybody just do something, go away. Few more, and then we'll wrap it up. I know I said that a minute ago. You said a few more, a few ago. JL Beam wants to know. Been listening to the shows from the archives lately, and on an old hashtag love to know episode, you mentioned you were writing a book. This was before you returned to WWE. Whatever happened with that, and do you think we'll get it one day? You will get it one day, and it's uh, just a matter of man putting it all together. I write it in sections, and I write it in moods more than anything. But it's it's essentially a collection of short stories that I think that people will find entertaining. Uh, some that have been told here on the podcast and others that, uh, I've never shared, but it's, it's not a tell all. It's not a whodunit or any dirt or anything like that. It's just a fun book of stories and life lessons that I've learned in my years in the business. Uh, this is a great one. Lupe wants to know if WCW would have reached out to you Lupe. instead of Vin- Lupe, Lupe, you don't even know how, uh, this person says their name. Well, I, okay. How's it spelled? L U P Lupe. Okay. Lupe. No, Lupe. Lupe. Lu. 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 No, Lupe. Lu. <laughs> Lupe wants to know if WCW would have reached out to you instead of Vince Russo and you had accepted. What are some of the things you would have done to try to fix WCW? I don't know if I would have accepted first of all, but, um, let's say they offered triple the money guaranteed. I, you know, I don't know. I would, you know what I would have probably tried to do is I probably would have tried to expedite, uh, the acquisition, the acquisition a lot sooner. Uh, Ryan wants to know. And then we'll end on this one. <laughs> Can I tell you my loopy story first? Yeah, please. Okay. So, uh, when we moved to Texas, our landscaper, his name was Lupe. Okay. And I used to like, people would say something about something. I said, Oh yeah, go, no, uh, uh, Lupe, my, uh, landscaper. Go, Bruce, that's just so bad. You're just so bad that you refer to, to the landscaper as loopy. That's his name. <laughs> it was like they automatically went to the, to the lowest common denominator. I'm like, going, well, no, I, I do that because that's his actual name. His last name is Gonzalez. Uh, Lupe Gonzalez. Very nice man. Um, but yeah, I, just, I don't know why. That's why I say Lupe. 
Lupe. You're having fun Thank with that, are you? Fun. Thank you for uh, El Questionnaire. La Pregunta. No, that's a problem. Nice no, question, right? Are you okay? You La Pregunta. Gracias uh, for La Pregunta. <laughs> I just think I said the, the question. Thank you for the, the question. Ryan Austin wants to know if or when, probably, Bruce gets fired. What, what's something current Bruce and Conrad would love to cover? So we're not going to tell the story right now, Bruce. We're just going to give a tease that one day years from now, boy, I can't wait for us to tell the story of blank. Probably a story I told you before we went on the air today and we'll leave it at that. That was a fucking good one. And I'm ready for next week's stories. We're hoping that we have a show next week. We're hoping that Bruce is available. We're hoping we're talking about Randy Orton. Can I just keep hoping? You can hope, hope in one hand and poo poo in the other. Yeah, man, we'll, we're shooting for it. I, I hope that things will get a little bit back to some normality, at least this week. I can't guarantee the week after. You know, there was, can't even guarantee this week, but I'm sure hoping for this week. There was a rumor that I might be seeing you one day this week. Hypothetically. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. Okay. Cause I blocked off the day because you told me. I know. Okay. Maybe next week. All right. But actually, I don't know. We'll talk after this. Well, next week, uh, on that day, I'll be in Las Vegas speaking at the national association of broadcasting well, you convention can skip that shit. about podcasting, but Bischoff's going too. So you're saying just let him handle that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, boys and girls. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, a rarely rare treat these days. We got Bruce Pritchard locked down for like almost two hours. So we'll be back next week. Probably won't be two hours, but we're looking forward to whatever we get, whenever we get it. He is at Bruce Pritchard, but he don't check his Twitter. I am at Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And we'll see you hopefully next week right here on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen show. You are so obsessed with betting. I don't need to bet. <laughs> you're adamant that you're going to win. And what I'm adamant that you're not like, going to win. Why does, why does money have to be you're, exchanged? You're a realist. Like he believes it. You believe it. Why is that? Well, that's no fun in that. It's a conversation that you can have. And then Monday, it's just like, I told you so. I mean, that's Definitely. verbal currency. Nothing fun there. Search for the Rich Eisen show on YouTube or wherever you listen.